time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? You're, you look good. You look great. Is everybody happy? You love Jesus this morning? All right. Why don't you stand to your feet just for a minute? And uh, we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to bless our session today. Uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm confident that none of you have ever heard me speak before. Is that correct? Well, let's just thank God for that. Amen. Let's give Jesus some praise for that right now. I don't know. Uh, I am a little hyper at times, but I am now a senior pastor, so I'm working on being self-controlled and mature. And I am going to show my sophisticated side to you today. Uh, not really. Uh, let, do you love Jesus? Come on, it's good, good to see you. I want you to do me a favor. I want everyone to lift their hands right now in the whole room, all the way front to the back. Jesus, we thank you for today. Father, we know that you are doing something powerful in this generation. You are doing something powerful and wonderful and anointed and spe spectacular and uh, Lord, we love you today for what you're doing. And as we lift our hands today, Jesus, we're saying that we surrender to you. Father, we uh, give you everything. The Bible teaches about our hands from Genesis through Revelation that, that our hands represent our work, our love, our hate, the good things we do, the bad things we do. And when we lift our hands, Jesus, we're saying, Father, we lift everything up to you, our whole life, all that we are. We hold nothing back. We're passionate. We love Jesus. Father, bless us today. I pray this conference would be life-changing. I pray that you'd speak to us from the inside out. I pray that you would drive out sin and that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, and we pray right now in Jesus' name for this whole region. Are you there today? Come on. Lord, we pray for revival. We pray for young people to get saved. We pray for every campus. We pray for every young person, Lord, that is hungry to know God, that you'd speak to them this year. Lord, we pray for an amazing, anointed move of the Holy Spirit to begin to move across the state, Lord, into Wyoming, down below us on every side. Lord, we pray for something new. We pray for something fresh. Lord, we pray that you would come and break the stronghold of the enemy on this generation. Lord, we pray there would be radical salvation. We pray for the hope of God to be lifted up. Lord, we lift up your name today in the mighty, wonderful, incredible, amazing name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone shouted, amen. amen. Oh, I feel so much better. Woo! Why are y'all sitting down? You have to understand, stand up just for a minute. I'll, I'll preach this a second. I love, do you love Jesus today? Okay. Whenever I'm in a new place, I have to get out my nerves. I have to walk around a little bit and scream a little bit. Do you go to my church? Yeah. I'm just joking. I know that. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good. Good. What's your name? Megan. Megan, it's nice to meet you. What's your name? Katie. Katie, it's nice to meet you. Where are you from? Here. Here? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Let's give her a hand. She's from here. <laughs> Amen. Uh, If, if I count to three, can all of you, really this is just for me, this isn't even for you. Uh, if, if I count to three, can you shout? 
can you, can you yell? Now, you're not shouting for yourself. You're, you're shouting for Jesus. Here's all the things, okay? You're shouting for Jesus. You're shouting for revival. You're shouting for your generation. All of those things. But really, I just want to hear you shout. Because it makes me feel good. Amen? And, and, and because I, we got to get in that spot where, uh, where I can just be me. But we're shouting for all those things. I think more than anything else, we're shouting because Jesus is on the throne, right? Okay, so I'm going to count the three, and I need you to shout. Can you do that? Okay. Um, right before lunch, it's kind of the pre-lunch, pre-nutrition, pre-vitamin. Uh, yeah, it's kind of the post, it's like the brunch shout. Amen. It's the post-breakfast, pre-lunch, brunch shout. Are you ready? Okay, but you can't give me one of these wimpy, sissy, little, you know, you got to shout, okay? You got to let it go. You got to, you, you've got to let something out of your vocal cords that hasn't happened yet since you've been here. Are, are you there? Okay, so I'm going to count to three. Now, we're going to talk a little bit today about passion, okay? And so... This is just the introduction to a new passion. I want you to, to let something go. I want you to shout for Jesus. And here's what happens, okay? You shout, and then you go like this. You'll go, woo! Because when you're in the South, when you're down in the South, people go, oh, oh. But when you're kind of in the middle of the country, everybody goes, woo! And when the whoo spirit comes on you, I want you to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You bind it, you cast it down, and then we do something else. So what I want you to do is I want you to go, whoa, whatever it is, louder. And then after about two, three, four, five seconds, you'll feel this thing inside of you that wants to, to stop. Because we're not used to screaming anywhere but at a sporting event. We don't shout in church enough, okay? And so I, I, I know some of you, you're insane for your team. You paint your faces, you paint your chest, and really some of you young men should just leave your shirt on. Let's be real. And what happens is, what happens is that, that we shout for our favorite sporting event, and we get crazy, and we get excited, but yet that sometimes we come into church, we have this idea that we're supposed to be quiet. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, I promise you, it's not like the passion and the Christ. I promise you that somewhere in the street, there was some ridiculous, crazy, insane people that were shouting because they were excited that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and everybody gets to go to heaven. Can I hear an amen? And so we have this idea, uh-oh, 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 oh no, wait, here it comes. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. Hold on. Hold. It's like my dog. Hold. He's just. It's so. After about five seconds, you're gonna go. You're gonna gonna go. Oh, and you're gonna have this mental issue. <laughs> it's a mental problem, and and you're gonna go. But I feel like I should stop. And then you're gonna look around at some of your friends because you're out of breath. And you've done a whole scream for Jesus. One whole scream. Aren't you awesome? And so we're going to do like three screams. So it's not one scream, not two, three. And then by the end, maybe we'll do five screams, okay? But they, and, then, and then they just sort of run into each other. And this is kind of the way I believe the kingdom of God should be. 
I believe that we should be excited, that we should be passionate, that we should be uh, the kind of generation that doesn't hold back anything because your generation, I, I want to tell you this if you don't know this. If you don't know Jesus and you're out there in the world, um, people aren't holding back anything for Jesus, are they? Your generation is all out. I don't care if they're hugging a tree, they're saving a whale. Anybody watch Whale Wars? You know why I watch Whale Wars? Because I know someone's going to die on that show and I want to see it. Because you got that old dude with the gray hair, he's going, well, you know, if we're going to save the whales, somebody's just got to die. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, (laughs) oh, if a generation could only believe that for their own passion and purpose for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean... Well, if somebody's going to save a whale, somebody's just going to have to die, you know? And then sometimes we come into church, and we just walk around, and we hug each other, and we kiss each other. And we say, oh, bless you. I love you. You know, I'm praying for you. And you're not. <laughs> and, and we just do our thing. Somewhere in the middle of all this is a passion thing that just needs to happen. And here's what I want you to do. Tonight. No, who's speaking today? Matthew? Who speaks today at the general session? Matthew? Barnett? Who? Oh, okay. I want my workshop to go crazy in there. Like, you know, I, like, let, every, let everybody come in and have their thing. But see, you were in the passion workshop. So when you go in today, I want you to go, ah! And, 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 and when, when, you know, and do it at a nice, silent, sensitive moment. I want you to be like, ah! Like that! Hold on, hold on, I have asthma, hold on. Okay. Okay, I'm okay. Are you ready? You have no idea who just walked into the room, right? Who is this? At least you're going to have a story about the crazy Hawaiian. Okay. I'm Hawaiian. Okay. <laughs> Can you scream today? All right. So I'm going to count to three, and you're going to shout for Jesus. Uh, but then you're going to, about the time you feel like you're supposed to stop shouting, you're going to give another shout. Then about the time you feel like that's over, I want you to keep shouting. And here's the thing. I'm not going to be up here to lead you, okay? I'm just going to go down here and shout with you. And so you kind of have to lead yourself. And and passion is kind of like that. If you can't lead yourself, no one can ever lead you into it. It has to be in you. It's got to be something that overwhelms you and speaks to you and you love and you understand and you want. Does anyone want more passion for Jesus? Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. And then you're going to shout. And some of you have never shouted. And you, you need to shout. Here we go. And some of you leaders that are here and skipping the leaders workshop, I love you. You're here because you need to shout. Here we go. Are you ready? No, are you, are you ready? You know what I'm saying? Not like, are you ready? I mean like, are you, are you ready? Are you ready? You know what I'm saying? Like red D, you know? Like ready. Red. Here we go. Ready? One. Two. (laughs) 
because I can feel it. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two. I really want you to do this. I really want you to do this. I almost don't want to say three. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ho, 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 No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Woo! Stop. That's what I'm talking about. Lift him up. Lift him up. Come on, shout somebody, shout. Somebody jump up and down. No, wait, okay, wait, wait, hold on. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. But this time, I need you to like, it's like everybody has gum on the bottom of their feet. <laughs> and you look jerky. I need some of you who don't care what the world thinks of you and you're passionate for Jesus to jump up and down a little bit. To jump. And he picked the dude up. You... I have nothing to give you, but you get a prize in heaven. Because <laughs> you picked a dude up, man. I, mean, I was just standing here, and you, like, grabbed him and picked him up off the ground. And he was like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm doing what I feel because I'm passionate. Okay, here we go. One more time, then I'm going to preach. Here we go. Ready? One. And I need you to jump and, uh, like, like we won. <laughs> We won. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on. Let's say it. Come on, somebody. Keep shouting. Keep shouting. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Ah! Ah! I'm just having fun, just preaching. Ah! Oh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That was so good. That was so good. Did you feel that? No, don't, no, don't pass out. It's really high up here in Colorado. That was, that was really hard. That run for me with a dude with asthma. It's 7,000 feet. I'm from Hawaii. My, I live at two feet, you know, uh, All right, I want you to do this. I want you to give your neighbor a high five and say, Jesus wants you to be passionate. And have a seat. Okay, forgive my antics, but they're sincere. They're from the heart. 
And it helps me, it really does, to get my ADD out. All right. Turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 2. And uh, how many of you believe that God has a great plan for your life? Someone say great plan. You have to believe that Jesus has a great plan for your life. Now, uh, my name is Pastor Doug Lassett, and I am uh, the senior pastor, the mature, sophisticated pastor, amen, of a church in Denver called the Pearl Church. We are 18 months old. Uh, we have about 250 people, and God's moving mightily uh, in the city. And I know that you guys have had a, a huge impact to you from New Life in that, that area. And uh, I have been a youth pastor for 17 years. 17 years, which means that the young people that were in my youth group, I met them in junior high. I married them, not personally. I saw them get married, and then, you know, you're at the altar, and you've been with them six, seven, eight, nine years, you know, and it's like, man, here they are, and they're at the altar, and they're going to kiss, and you're like, dude, don't touch her. I've been telling you to stay pure for the last, like, 10 years. Don't you dare touch her. It's hard for a youth pastor, you know, to grow up. Uh, you marry them, and then you dedicate their children, and you're like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and they have babies. And then the whole generation, next generation comes up. We have a conference and a, and a band called Generation Unleashed. And maybe some of you have heard of Generation Unleashed. And we've been around for a long time. And Pastor David uh, and his team, the Desperation Band, came to us maybe, I don't know, at least 10, 11 years ago. And we laid hands on them and believed God for a powerful move of the Spirit here in this conference and for what God's done. And I'm amazed, blessed, and completely overwhelmed by what God has done. Can I hear an amen? All right, so I started youth ministry at 27 and uh, got married. My beautiful wife, Donna Lassett, is here. Donna, will you just wave right over here in the corner? Uh, my daughter, this is my daughter, Tessa, with her flower. Tessa, can you stand up, sweetheart, and just wave? Just wave. That's my daughter, Tessa. And, and then you get to a place where your own kids are in the conference that you're preaching at, and that's weird. That's awkward. Your, your daughters, your nieces, the, you know, the little girls that you bought them Barbie dolls when they were young. And so this is technically uh, the first time I've ever spoken at a conference where my own daughter is registered and my niece. So I want to have my daughter Kaylee and my niece Ashley stand up. Will you stand up and wave? This is, this is my daughter over here. This is my niece Ashley. And, and my daughter right now is like, OMG, my dad is crazy. <laughs> you need to be seated. You don't get the mic or nothing. Just... Just sit down. No. So, you know, then you grow up one day and you're like, wow, all my kids are in the youth ministry. And, and uh, you know, I, I started out, still am, very passionate about Jesus and about what God can do in your generation. Uh, I've seen a lot of things. I started out maybe, oh, gosh. Any Star Wars fans in the room? Okay. So I saw the, I saw the first Star Wars opening night when it came out when I was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, just to place me in my early 20s right now. And so the, uh, I remember Star Wars when it came out. You know, that was the day when everybody wanted to be Luke Skywalker. And, you know, and every, you know I had all the Star Wars toys. And so that was me in the kingdom. You know, I got saved. I was radical. Didn't have a lot of wisdom. Uh, took my lightsaber for Jesus, man. 
And I went, I went crazy. People getting saved. We had fun for quite a few years. And then one day, about two years ago, uh, 17 years later, I woke up and I was Yoda. And something had changed. <laughs> I looked in the mirror and I thought, wow, okay, 17 years has gone by. And now I'm, I'm a little different. I'm a little wiser. Um, I've, I started with about 80 kids in a room. Kind of a big church, but not really the youth group to match it. We had about 80 kids. Uh, when we left... When we left, we had about 1,000 kids. Our youth conference is about 10,000. And our, uh, our CDs have gone all over the world. But it started out with a group of young people in a room who really wanted to be passionate. And some of those first young people that were in that room that day are here today, and they're my youth pastors. There's a, something that happens when passion for Jesus gets a hold of you. And I begin to see it. I think the first time that I see it, is in Genesis with Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to go very quickly. I won't get through all the notes that I have today, but we'll go as far as we can. Genesis chapter 2, and um, we'll start maybe... Let's just start at the beginning here in chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were uh, completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And he goes on. Now you have Adam and Eve. Verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and there was no shrub in the field. And he goes on to talk about the rain and the work of the ground. Verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into it. Into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden. I want you to watch this verse. The Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees. Now I want you to underline verse 9 if you write in your Bibles. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there was a river that watered the garden and flowed from Eden, and there was a separated into four headwaters, and it goes through it. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. Now, I want you to notice here that there are trees that are pleasing to the eye and good to eat. Turn to your neighbor and say trees. See, isn't that deep? trees. Before I move on, I want to read verse 9 again. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees. Turn to your other neighbor and say all kinds of trees. And then all of a sudden, you have Adam and you have Eve, and now you have the serpent. The serpent comes in begins to talk about the tree. The Lord God was talking about the tree. There are all kinds of trees. But for some reason, there's one tree in the middle of the garden that you're not supposed to touch. Is anyone like me that when someone says not to do something, the first thing inside of you says, do it. Right? I'm the kid that if the, if the sign said, don't walk on the grass, I walked on the grass. If there was a sign on the wall that said, wet paint, there was always paint on my hand. I'm the kid that really was a lot like 
Adam and Eve in the sense that there was something inside of man when he fell over touching the tree that he's not supposed to touch. There's something inside of me that wants to, is driven to sin. This is called the Adamic nature. It's the nature of Adam and Eve, and it's in all of us. And we see it all the way through the Bible, but it's in us. But what the enemy tries to do is the enemy tries to get young people to focus on the one tree. The one tree that you're not supposed to touch. Now, I want you to understand something as I move forward here. I believe in standards and convictions. I believe in purity. I believe that purity is not just a word. It's a Bible word like sanctification and righteousness. It's got a Hebrew meaning and a Greek meaning. Purity is real. It's righteous. Holiness is good. You're supposed to have standards. You're supposed to have convictions. There's some things you should not do. Why? Because you don't have time to do it because you're busy building the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? So in nowhere do I want you to misunderstand what I'm trying to say today, but I think that we have had a, a, uh, an infatuation with a single tree that has caused us to lose our passion because when we focus on the one tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and all the all the don'ts of the kingdom all the don't don't do this don't touch don't look don't think don't breathe don't walk don't talk don't touch don't do anything don't don't everyone just say don't don't when we focus on the one tree that we tend to forget that what the scripture says is that God made all kinds of trees and they were good to eat and pleasing to the eye. And sometimes we forget in the middle of trying to resist the culture and fight the devil and don't do certain things, we forget that God has given us so many things that we get to do for him. And I think the key to passion is leaving the elementary uh, issues of our life about sin. Don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. I have preached more than 5,000 messages to teenagers in my lifetime. And I went through all 5,000 messages one day and I realized that I have preached possibly a majority of those messages on the don't tree. And when all young people ever hear is the don't tree, They never get inspired to have passion for some of the trees that you get to do. Some of the things you get to partake of. Because there were many trees in the garden. Trees that were good to eat and pleasing to the eye. I don't want you to sin. I don't want you to make mistakes. Matter of fact, I want you to have a great life. I want you to grow up. I want you to marry the right person. Amen. I don't want you to be divorced. I come from a divorced home. I I want you to be married forever until you go to heaven. You marry Jesus. Um, I don't want you to do bad things. What I really want is for all of us here today to recognize that if we could tap into what God has actually given you to do, our lives would change. Are you there? Are you there? Come on, talk to me. I want to go through some of the trees today. I had five trees, but while I was studying, I came up with like ten more. I won't get through all of them, but let's go through some of the trees today that were in the garden. You see, we have this idea there's some things that we're not supposed to do, but everybody knows what they're not supposed to do, right? Right? Like, don't punch your friend in the face sitting next to you right now. That's bad. Right? 
don't mess up in your purity, that's bad. Don't disobey, that's bad. We get it all. But did you know that, that church and God and people and revival and missions and the nations, you get to do all those things. See, we have to change our mentality. Our mentality is that we have to do things because when we attach ourselves to the don't tree, we take that mentality, we put it over with the do trees, and we go, well, I, I can't, I, I, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that. And all of a sudden we wake up one day and we don't have enough faith, and God says, I want you to go to the mission field, and I want you to take a whole nation for me. And you go, well, I, I can't do that, I, can't, I shouldn't do that. Because we take the mentality from the don't tree, we put it over in the do trees, and we stand there and we don't do anything. We have a whole generation that is completely paralyzed for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, right now, if this room right now was to truly become passionate, truly give all to the Lord Jesus Christ and hold nothing back, I'm telling you that this world could get turned upside down by just this section right here. One, one great theologian, one great historian said, you give me a hundred men who hate only sin and love only God and we'll take, our, take the world in one generation. And I believe that. I believe that there's something in passion because you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church, Right? You don't have to go to church, you. See, your whole generation has this I have to go to church mentality. And people trying to convince you to go to church and do things. No, you don't have to go to church, you. You don't have to go to the mission field, you. You don't have to worship, you. You don't have to live pure, you. You don't have to do good things for Jesus, you. You don't have to take your generation, you. You don't have to change your high school, but you. You don't have to change your friends, but you. See, and all of this, if you were to stand in the garden with Adam and Eve and do a 365-degree turn, there may have been thousands of trees that were good and pleasing to the eye and good to eat, but for some reason, they kept getting distracted with the one in the middle. And the devil pulled them in. Let's go through some of the trees. The first tree I want to give you is the tree of vision. The tree of vision. You don't have to have vision for your life. You get to have vision. You know, God's got a vision for your life. Psalms 139 says he knew you before you were born. He knew all the days of your life. He counted them before you ever took your first step. Psalms 139. God made me the way that I am. I'm not ashamed of who I am. You don't know my testimony, but when I was young, I had a hard life. I had a difficult childhood. I remember one time, probably one of my worst moments of life, wanted to kill myself, discouraged, depressed, drunk, out of control, having a fight with a girl outside of a party, and we're having an argument. She's yelling at me, and I'm yelling at her, and I'm holding my, my beer over here, and I'm just like, no, and you know, I like to win arguments. And so I'm talking, and she's trying to talk, and I'm talking, I'm talking, and finally I win the argument. I'm like, so there! And she looks at me, she goes, you should be a preacher. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) No! I mean, it was like the worst insult I had ever received in my life. You should be a preacher. You know, what's funny is I never forgot that. All the way through Jesus wooing me and loving me and holding me and caring for me and witnessing to me. and All the Christians invited me to all their barbecues and their volleyball games and at their churches, you know. We'd go out and play volleyball. We'd get all these nice little girls on the other side of the net. I'm totally unsaved running from God. The ball goes up. I spike it, hit her in the face, knock her out. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> but at least I'm passionate. 
God had a vision for my life. Before I ever knew what vision was, he wanted me to be a preacher. He made me a talker. You know, and I used to think he, get, he gets me in trouble all the time, and then one day I get saved, God sanctifies it, finds it, anoints it, and I find myself within minutes after salvation, after literally minutes my, with my roommate, trying to lead him to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Within minutes. His name was Jack. Jackson, actually, from Dallas, Texas. Jackson McCullough Bronner. Mm. So Jack, I got saved. And he goes, oh, yeah? Born again? And I didn't know what that was. I was like, I think so. He goes, oh, that ruins everything. Because you know what I figured out about Jack? He came from the south, and he knew the difference between somebody who just went to church and someone who was born again. See? I didn't know it, but I had been born again. God has got a vision for your life. He made you the way you are. He created you in his image. He gave you all the giftings, all the talents. When you look in the mirror tomorrow, don't say, God, why did you make me this way? Say, God, why did you make me this way? What is it about me that's special? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're special. By the way, God's got a vision for your life. He knows where you're supposed to be. Number two, the tree of nations. The tree of nations. Write it down. The tree of nations. I love the mission field. Uh, I, I think all young people should love the nations. I mean, look at all the flags on the wall here today. We should love the nations. You get to go to the mission field. Uh, I just took my first two people in our new church to the mission field. Just four weeks ago, we went to East Africa. Got two young adults with me right out of high school, interns. And they've never been out of the country, only been on a plane once. I'm like, we're going to the mission field. And they're like, well, what do you mean by that? I'm like, we're going to Africa. And they're like, you mean like on the Discovery Channel? And I'm like, yes, we're going to Africa. So they take all their money that they've saved and they... They work and they make payments and we get on a plane and we go to Africa and we show up in Kampala, Uganda and we find ourselves unexpectedly in the middle of a revolution and people are dying and getting shot in the streets and tanks are coming down the road and we're right in the middle and I'm preaching at a youth conference and people are getting saved out in here and out there. People are dying and we're praying. It was like walking into a movie or something and all of a sudden revival breaks out in, in Kampala, Uganda and people are getting saved and baptized and things are going on and, and outside there's a revolution and tanks and people with these big guns and AK-47s and then we come home and they come off the plane and we see some of their friends and their friends are like, hey, what'd you do this summer? It's like, man, went to Africa, got in a revolution, people died, people got saved, revival, I'm telling you, man, intercession, prayer, fasting. It was like, it was amazing. They're like, what'd you do? What'd you do this summer? And dude's like, so far, I went bowling. <laughs> and I'm going to go to the lake a lot. <laughs> You don't get to do radical. You don't have to do anything radical. What? You. See? 
If you think that living life as a Christian is boring, wake up, get, get a hold of the Bible, go buy a ticket to some foreign nation, walk off the plane, go preach the gospel to people who are there to listen, see healing signs and wonders and miracles, come home and bring it home, but don't sit here, bowl, go to the movies and eat pizza and wonder why Jesus isn't moving in your generation. See? I had one young lady come with me to Mexico, the hottest place I could find. It was like 120 in the shade at 8 in the morning. All the girls came, the makeup runs off their face. And the guy's like, oh. And that was when guys went from gel to product. And so all the product was like melting down their face, and the girls were like, oh. Product. Kids laying out in prayer and intercession. We get back on the plane. She was almost backslidden when I took her on the mission field. When we got home, she wouldn't get off the plane. She sat on the plane and wept as we pulled into the gate. We had to go get her, take her off the plane, and pull her down on the little walk thing to come into the gate. And she stood in the gate, got on her knees, and began to weep and broke and cried. She says, I don't want to go home because I don't want to go back to what I was before. Passion had gripped her. When she realized that her whole life was based on a religion of don'ts, when Jesus is saying, I have something for you to do. She didn't want to be the same, and she's not. Here's another one, number three, the the tree of purity. The tree of purity. Listen, you don't have to be pure. You, You get to be pure. See, this is my dream for you. My dream for you is that you marry someone you're attracted to. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I mean, could you imagine if you had to marry someone that your parents picked out? Wouldn't that be horrible? Oh, my goodness. Although in my family, in my family, it sounds like a good idea. Um, And so, (laughs) just joking. You're going to marry someone you're attracted to. And you know what? You're going to marry someone that you love. My dream for you is that you're going to marry forever. And, but purity is, is the testimony of your generation. Purity is the testimony for your generation. You will not fight any hotter battles. You will not have any more opposition. You will not struggle with what tree to live your life off of more than in the area of purity. And I wish I could take an hour and just talk to you about relationships, but I can't. I do know this, though. I know that one, are you there? One in 5,000 relationships that begins in high school, one in 5,000 will ever end up in marriage. One. So that means that if the boy sitting next to you right now, if the girl sitting next to you right now is not the one in 5,000 you need to break up today, like today after this session. I have an anointing to break you up in Jesus' name. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. If that person is not the one in 5,000, then girls, you are wasting your time. And guys, you are wasting your money. And if I was you, you take, no, 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 no. No, you take that desperation t-shirt back right now. You take that thing, you go take it back, get your money back because you wasted your money, boy. Don't you, no bracelet. 
Because if you're, if you're really being honest, if you're really being real here, God has got a plan for your life. He knows who you are. He knows where you're going. He knows what you're supposed to do. He's got somebody in mind. And oftentimes, God lets number two or number three or number four come by before number one, the first choice, comes by, and it's just a test. I'm asking you, I'm begging you to pass the test of purity so that when you stand at your altar like I did after 21 years of not serving Jesus to marry this woman over here, my first born-again kiss was at the altar in front of a whole youth group. Woo! Boy, was that awkward. Every kid in the youth group was like, ching, 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 ching. Our first kiss. My wife said to me, she says, well, I'll marry you, but here's the deal. I ain't kissing you until the altar. And I'm like, no problem. Help me, Jesus, because I need you now more than ever. No problem. You don't want to kiss? Done. I'm so thankful I'm in the prayer center right now. (laughs) See? Purity. You don't have to be pure, you. Yeah, you get to be married. Stay married. Here's another one. The tree of holiness. Holiness. Holiness for your generation has kind of become a bad word. Kind of like legalism. Now, but I'm one of those. Now, there's some old school folks in here. I see you. Holiness is not a bad word. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, I want to explain to you what holiness is. See, you are the whole holiness church people, all the holiness people. I'm a, I got saved in a Pentecostal church. Now, listen, I know we're all charismatic and we have all these different things. I just got saved where people like rolling around. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, passion. I like that. A little odd. <laughs> But let's go with it for a while and see how it feels. And I got saved. And so, but I want to explain to you what purity and holiness and righteousness does for you. It's, and I, I want you to picture, if you will, a submarine just for a minute, okay? Because to be, to be a holy person who has standards and convictions allows you to do what God has called you to do. It allows you to fulfill your mission. It doesn't hold you back. God does not come to hold you back. He comes to release you. But we have to change how we believe we get released. But a submarine, okay? If the submarine is out of the water, it's not fulfilling its mission. If the submarine is full of water, it's failed its mission. But if the submarine is in the water, but not full of water, it is insulated from the water, but not isolated from the water. Did you hear me? Holiness insulates you, but doesn't isolate you. Holiness and standards and convictions and righteousness, and what it does is it allows you to move into the world and not have it impact you. You are on a mission. But without those things, the water gets in. So we have to be in the world, but not of the world. And this goes along with the next one, which is the tree of submission. The tree of submission is tough, too, because this one, you don't have to obey. You don't have to submit. You, see, it wasn't as passionate as the other ones, but it's true. Think of mission like this. Sub, mission. You're under your mission. You're under the mission. You're moving somewhere. Think of the mission as a way to get you where you're going. My wife one day was counseling a young lady, and they're driving down the road. It was in our first car. 
Now, our first car as a married couple was not the kind of car that I would wish on anyone. Uh, it was a Toyota Starlet. Okay, now listen. The smallest car Toyota ever made, uh, and they only made it for two years because it was too unsafe. I could sit in the middle, stick both my hands out the windows, and open both doors simultaneously from the outside. <laughs> Swear, I used to do it just, just on a bet, just to get money from my kids in the youth group. And, and the license plate said SYS666. So it was like, and, and there was this book, this, this, this book on Satan that came out a couple years earlier called System 666, and that was the front of the book. So I had this license plate that said System 666. Everyone thought I was a Satanist. Okay. <laughs> One day, my wife is going down the road in this car, and her friend is sitting there, and they're having an argument. They're fighting about whether or not she should come under submission to her parents and her pastors and the spiritual authority in her life. And and uh, she's arguing and all the problems wrong with authority, all legalism. And so while they're driving, my wife, in, this, in the right lane, decides, just casual conversation, she gets over and starts driving the wrong way in the street. And they're talking, and she's like, uh, you know, you're on the wrong side of the road. She's like, yeah. She's like, you cross the line, there's cars coming. She goes, oh, those lines right there mean nothing. And at the last minute, my wife swings her car back into the right lane. And she says, now what were you trying to say about authority and obeying the rules? <laughs> See, because if you're going to get to where you're going, the Bible is very clear on some things in our life. Are you there? All right, let's keep going. I got a couple more. and I got... My watch stopped. <laughs> Literally. It's a sign from God. No. Huh? Okay. All right, we're cool. How about this one, the test of friendship? You don't have to have good friends. You. Yeah, man. You know what? When you're young and you're growing up, you start out, you go into middle school, junior high, high school, freshman, sophomore year, then your junior, senior year, then university. If you're in the world, what happens is you end up changing friends every couple of years. You know, like some of you change your socks, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's like, you know, when you're 12, you got one set of friends. When you're 14, you got another set of friends. But what happens in the world when all of a sudden you have a fight or you have an argument? You can't humble yourself. Then you break your friendship, and then all of a sudden you walk through life. Now, there's some adults in here that are, well, adults in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, and we can go back in our lifetime, and we can remember the friends that we don't have today. But when you're in the kingdom of God, there's something that you have to do before Jesus Christ that defends and protects your friendships and gives you the kind of friendships that only God can give you, and it's two words, I'm sorry. Humility. I'm sorry for what I said to you. I'm sorry for what I did for you, and you mean more to me than that argument. And you know what? I'm struggling with something, and I didn't mean to take it out on you. I'm just struggling. You're my friend. You know, the kingdom of God has the most amazing friends in the world. If you, if you have your friendships God's way, your friends, you know what happens? You guys become a posse for Jesus, man. You're like, you're like going to the mall and doing crazy things for Jesus. You're going to the mission field and you're building churches. And all of a sudden you walk through life and life is about building the kingdom of God together. 
and you're a part of something bigger than yourself, that's what will give you passion. But friends are important. Girls need girlfriends in your years. Guys need guy friends in your years, right? Some of you need this. You need to, you need to go to your pastor and say, hey, look, man, I'm struggling. I don't have friends. And there's always excuses. So you've had me here for a little while. You're starting to get used to me. Here's what I think. I think that girls who have all friends as guys, and God wants to bring good friends that are girls into your life. Guys, same thing. All, all your friends are girls. You need guy friends to help you, to encourage you. Guys like to say, well, I was just counseling her, you know. She, need, she needed some counseling. You know, who's going to do it if I don't? You know what I'm saying? So I was just sharing my heart, you know. And friends, no, you weren't counseling her. You, you need counseling. You need help. You need, because I'll disciple you. We'll disciple you. And then the girls, the girls, girls do the same thing. And we fall into these traps because girls, here's what happens. You could go all your high school years and look back and realize that you spent it all with a boy that you didn't marry. And now you didn't have any good friends in high school. And you go, man, well, I don't have any friends. It was because you were distracted. But girls like to say, well, I don't like to hang out with girls because of all the drama. The drama. But the truth is, girls, you are the drama. And, and everybody, now hold on now, just, just wait. Everybody knows it but you. But what God wants to do is heal something inside of you that is so precious and so wonderful to give you sisters in the Lord that you can walk with and cry with and pray with, that you can go on through different seasons of your life and be in each other's weddings. And here's some things for you that aren't married yet. When you all get married, don't charge us a lot of money for the tuxedos and the dresses. I know it's not going to happen, but I thought I'd throw it out there. Um, because weddings aren't an event, they're a season, okay? Let's just keep moving, you won't understand. Um, so you have this friendship tree. When you have friends that, that go God's way, I'm telling you, man, it's powerful. We'll do a couple more, we'll done. The tree of worship, the tree of worship. You don't have to worship you. Yeah, see, the, the worship, the powerful principle that found, found in worship that I think your generation needs to embrace is this, is that you have something here that, that the devil can't do. See, there's one song that you sing that the devil can't sing, the demons can't sing, the angels can't sing, and even Jesus Christ himself cannot sing the song, only you can, and it's called the song of the redeemed. The song of the redeemed is what happens when we worship. And when you worship, uh, the whole world just kind of opens up. The heavens open up because God begins to receive the praise. The angels who, are, who can't, aren't redeemed, they didn't fall, but they don't need to be redeemed. They're in heaven. They're just shouting amen. And here's God's people, the ones that are affected by the cross and the grace of Jesus, singing the song of the redeemed. And the devil hates worship because in, in heaven, when, before he got thrown out, the Bible says he had instruments and music in his being. Some people believe he was the angel of worship in heaven, and he got prideful, and he threw himself down. And so the whole world, and the world of music and, and instruments and all the creative, there's so much pride there. But let me tell you, if you want to understand worship, just lift your hands. Worship the Savior. Sing the song of the redeemed because it's powerful. You don't have to worship. You got more, but can I just list them? (sighs) Hold on. Here we go. Number eight, the tree of prayer, 
fasting and intercession. When we started our youth ministry, I was disturbed at how we couldn't pray. So I started throwing prayer meetings, and they went something like this. How many of you have seen a movie this year? This is pretend you're in my youth group. All right, how much does that movie cost you? Ten bucks now? Eight bucks? 3D is like 13, right? Okay, $13. You buy popcorn? No. Anybody buy popcorn? Anybody buy candy? Anybody sneak the candy in? All right. Today we're going to talk about integrity. No. Just kidding. So the movie costs you 13 if it's, if, it's, if it's 3D and another 6, 7, 8, 9 bucks. So it's like 20, 25 bucks. So what I did, I stood up in front of my youth group and I said this. I said, I'm tired of all of you not showing up to the things that we do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a prayer meeting, but you can't come. Here's the deal. My prayer meeting costs 10 bucks. So if you want to come to my prayer meeting, it'll cost you $10. Now, I will make popcorn, and I did, and we will pray for an hour, and we'll do an intermission, and you can all eat popcorn, and then we'll go back for an hour. And I asked my youth group, how many of you ever prayed for an hour? And no hands went up. I said, okay, you want to come to my prayer meeting? All right, let's do it. Ten bucks to come to my prayer meeting. You know what happened? 230 kids showed up to my prayer meeting. <laughs> so... We were in a square room. On this, on one wall, I put all the names of the nations I could think of and all our missionaries. On this wall, I put all the names of the sick people in our church. On this wall, I put every name of every high school in our city. On this wall, and on this wall over here, I put all the things we wanted for our youth group. I, I split them up into four groups. I put them against the wall. I got one of those blow horns, and I said, okay, face the wall. And when I blow the horn, you pray, and you don't stop praying until I blow the horn. And when I blow the horn, I'm going to yell, shift, and then you go to the next wall. The key is you can't stop praying. I went, Whoa! And they all started praying, praying, and it's kind of going along. And all of a sudden, something just broke loose. About 30 minutes into it, they're weeping, they're crying, they're laying against the wall, they're praying. I blow the horn. I'm like, intermission! We all eat popcorn. (laughs) We all go back in. We start praying. We go another 30 minutes. They won't stop praying. The prayer meeting went like two, two and a half hours. I couldn't stop a group of 230, 240 teenagers from praying who had never prayed one hour in their life. Now I can't stop them. No, no, no. Okay. You don't have to pray, you. You don't have to intercede, you. That's right. Let's do another one, and we'll be done. The tree of the Holy Spirit. We'll stop here. The tree of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with you right now in your life to get you through the season. In Scripture, God has always been with His people in one form or another. In the Old Testament, He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And then His presence was in the ark. And then after the ark, we had a season where people thought, well, where was He and what was going on and redemption, I can't go through all that. But then we get to Jesus. And Jesus was with us. He walked on earth. And then... After Jesus was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that helps you to know that you can overcome the no tree and that you can move into the do trees. He's the one that's calling you to ministry, to business. He's the one that says, I, I want to confirm today that yes, yeah, young man who talks a lot, yeah, you're a, you're a preacher, you can call, uh, call me anytime and talk to me about it. You've got a youth ministry you've got to build. You've got a church you've got to build. The Holy Spirit is the one who communes with you, helps you, and loves you. And he's always there 
You know, I think of my son, Kai. I have a little boy. I have three kids. Kaylee's here. Tessa's here. And I have a little boy uh, named Kai. He's seven years old. Um, Kaylee's 12, a 12, 9, and 7. And Kai, I, I love hanging out with my son, okay? He's fun. He always likes to know where I'm at. So no matter where he's going, no matter where he's running, every once in a while he'll turn his eye to the left just to see if I'm around. Even if he's in a field, he knows I'm there. What I want to say to you today is that no matter where you're going, what you're doing, you have to know that the Holy Spirit is there. He's with you in the field. He's with you in your school. He's with you in your family. He's with you when you're having an argument with a friend. He's there when your parents are going through a divorce. He's there when you're struggling with drugs and alcohol. He's there when you're losing your purity, and he's calling you, and he's pulling you. The Holy Spirit is the one who says, look, I have thousands of trees that are good to eat and pleasing to the eye, and I put them in the garden for you. And we're going to finish right here. Put everything down on the floor. Stand to your feet. Bow your head and close your eyes. Just bow your heads with me. If you're here in this session and you feel like you know that you have been so consumed and beat up with the no tree, the don't tree, that it's hard for you to even believe that God has a plan for your life. Lift your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you where you stand. This first group, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would release angels that you would release the Holy Spirit. Father, you'd strengthen them, bless them, encourage them, and love them, and pull them into your destiny. Father, even in the middle of compromise, you're there. In the middle of our struggle, you're there. Jesus, today, bless these that have their hands lifted. And I go to warfare over their life in Jesus' name right now. I rebuke the devil. I ask you, Lord, to release them to their future. Let them understand why you have created them the way you did. They have a great destiny and a great future. Now, I want everyone to lift your hands one more time to Jesus and keep your eyes closed. Lift your hands and say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, today I commit my life to a life of passion for the things you've given me. Today, Jesus, forgive me of all my sin and come into my life. I turn my back on sin and I turn my face to you. Jesus, all of my life, all of my gifting, my heart, my mind, my spirit, words, time, I dedicate to you and all the trees in the garden of my life. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Now give Jesus some praise. Can you do that? I love you. Hey, hey, hey. One more shout on three. Come on, one more time. One more shout on three. One, two, three. Let's give Jesus a shout this morning. Come on, amen. Woo! I love you. I love you. I love you all. Go eat. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.